SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary-defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks, and we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850+, plus, their best-selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if, like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 plus Manuka honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's manukora.com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Hey everybody, this is Sam. A lot has changed since we recorded this episode of SciShow Tangents just a couple weeks ago. The spread of coronavirus is affecting everyone, and I speak for all of us at SciShow Tangents when I say we hope you and your loved ones are safe. We feel lucky that you choose to spend time with us every week, and we hope the podcast can take you off on a tangent and be a reminder of fun and silly things during a stressful time. If you're looking for more information on COVID-19, our YouTube channel, youtube.com scishow, has a few videos explaining the disease and the pandemic. Thank you for being part of our socially distant community because we're all fighting this together. Take care of yourselves. Now, on with the show. Welcome to SciShow Tangent, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I'm joined by Steph and Hello. What's your tagline? Fucked up from the neck up. (laughs) 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 Not expecting that. (laughs) I say it because I'm I'm wearing a, a... I mean, I think it's fair to say a snazzy shirt. Yeah. But I haven't shaven in days. I haven't had a haircut in months. I... I'm just, yeah. it's a mess up there. Ma- yeah. We're also joined by Sam Schultz. Sam, oh, hey. what's your most boomer quality? 
I must have one, but I feel like I'm mm. pretty much young at heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do like mowing the lawn. Is that boomer? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty boomer. I, I live on a second floor, so I have some AstroTurf on my back porch. Uh-huh. And I do like to go out and sweep it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that yard That's pretty carriage. boomer. <laughs> yeah, pretty I like boomer. that a lot. What's your tagline? Down with homework. And Sari Riley is also here. What's your tagline? Rumbly tumbly. Ooh, Ooh, delicious. And my name is Hank Green, and my tagline is the floppiest flippers. Yeah. Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding Sam Bucks from week to week. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but sometimes we go on tangents. And if the rest of the crew deems that tangent unworthy, you will be docked. A Sam Buck. And I need every Sam Buck I can get because I wasn't here for two episodes. You're down in the mud with me. So down yeah. in the mud with Sam. <laughs> Luckily, I get to drag myself out one point at a time, starting with the science poem to discuss our topic of the day. The science poem this week is from me. Light a fire on the ground, we know what it'll do. Or how a mouse will procreate, or how a human poos. We know the ins and outs of life upon the planet's face. But there's always more to know. Just ask, but what's it like in space? <laughs> a sphere that spins in gravity spins different in freefall. And facets of microscopy just aren't the same at all. We have to know where fire will go, or how a crystal grows. And the effect upon the body, well, there's so much more to know. It's good that we have orbiting a handy ISS. Because when you ask if something's different, there, the answer's always yes. Space experiments is our topic of the day. Sari, what's a space experiment? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is any science that you do outside of the Earth's the, atmosphere. Yeah, I guess. Right? It doesn't have to be in free fall, I suppose. No. Could, yeah. If you like shoot something up past the atmosphere and yep. it's like in low Earth orbit, a satellite would. Probably it doesn't be a space even have experiment? to be in orbit. Oh, you yeah, could just get it up there. And then, and then free fall and in orbit mean the exact same thing, basically. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not exactly, because you can be in free fall but not in orbit. It's if you are in free fall and not in orbit, you will run into the planet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or you're on a roller coaster. For yeah. A brief Ooh. Oh, right. right. Yeah. I guess you don't have to run into a planet. You would have to be caught. You could be caught by something. Soon be caught by something. (laughs) Yeah. Or you will run into the planet. I didn't go in this direction, but I was wondering whether, like, New Horizons counts as a space experiment. Yeah. What is New Horizons? A probe that we send out to, like, study other planets and things. Sure. I looked up the etymology of space. The first use was maybe Paradise Lost, English poet John Milton's thing, to refer to anything beyond the earth. Mm, right. And so it's still kind of a vague word as uh-huh. far as, is it the emptiness between planets? Is an experiment on Mars a space experiment? Right. Mm. Uh, as long as it's not our earth, is everything space? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that it's everything between planets. So yeah. like, if it's a Mars rover, it's a Mars rover. But if mm-hmm. it's in space, it's like in the in the void. Yeah. Right. right. So but even if it's orbiting Mars, that's a space experiment. Yes. Okay. I think so. Oh, or is wow. that just a Mars experiment? Yeah. 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 Or is it an Earth experiment? Ex- kind of, or, yeah, it feels kind of Marsy to me. Well, I mean, here's the difference. When we're doing experiments on the ISS, we're doing them on space. Yeah. Mm. Like, we're thinking about, like, what's life right. like in space with, like, more electromagnetic radiation and you're, you know, you don't have gravity. So that's, that's, that's space. Right. Whereas if you got a probe that's, like, circling the Earth and it's, like, taking pictures of Earth, 
Yeah. Well, but it's, it's just, an, that's just it's a camera. That's just an Earth experiment, but a better angle. But, up high. but yeah. in space. It's an Earth experiment in space. Yeah. From yeah. space. We oh. should have called this episode Experiments on Space, but then <laughs> my topic wouldn't fit anymore. So. Well, yeah. I mean, we're doing experiments on space, but we're also doing experiments on things that are in space. Mm-hmm. That's mostly what we're doing. Is like, what's what's this thing like yeah. when it's in space? And pretty much all the ISS is doing is experiments in space. Right? That's most, yeah. That's mostly what it does. Okay. And like being like in space. Yes. A lot right. of what the ISS does is like stay up. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So just maintenance and sure. keeping everything good, making sure there's plenty of food for the astronauts and air and water and not falling down. Mm. Thought you were referring to it as a symbol of our human economy. That too. It does also do that. <laughs> it does also like mm-hmm. put a bunch of humans together in one place and it says, we are not from any country, but we are humans, mm-hmm. which is not something that we get in many ways these days. The area code for the phone number on the ISS is apparently Houston, though. So it's like mm. <laughs> a little bit yeah. American in that respect. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. There's the thing where there's some argument over like what Catholic bishop oversees the moon oh, because the idea is that like until you like set up a bishopric or whatever in the new place mm-hmm. the bishop from the place where the journey began is the bishop of the new land so basically it's the bishop of like Orlando is the bishop <laughs> of the moon <laughs> so like if, some, if a catholic person died on the moon that's yeah, who would go take care of that yeah okay. well, and uh, yeah if you're if you're like raised on the moon and you need some some, some like Catholic guy. administration yeah. done. Right. I think most I mean, of it's administrative what the bishops do rather uh, than because the local preach preacher would. Okay. But I guess you don't have one, right? So maybe you have to go all the way up the chain to the bishop. Yep, put him in mm-hmm. a rocket. <laughs> well, <you can> tell <laughs> Just it put a call to earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, doing a confessional over. Over, I guess there's probably a secure line you could get on. Yeah. What are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a tangent. We went a little bit off. <laughs> that was definitely me. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about it? I learned oh, something. I enjoyed okay. That was a yeah, very yeah, fun a fact. Yeah. We're going to move on. It is time for One of our panelists has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of those facts is true. The other ones are big, fat, stinking lies, and we have to guess which one is the true one. And if we get it wrong, then Sam gets a Sam buck, because Sam is doing truth or fail. In the grim darkness of the far future, space is full of brands. Commercial space flight, advertising, publicity stunts, an outlet wall on the moon, it will all come to pass in the future. But for now, a few brands have already gotten their foot in the door by funding space experiments. Which of these are a real brand-funded experiment in space? Number one, KFC-funded research into using chicken fat as an eco-friendly rocket fuel component. (laughs) Number two, Nike-branded shoes with sensors designed to monitor astronauts' feet while exercising to help fight bone loss. Okay. Or number three, a study funded by a perfume company to see if flowers smell different in space. KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Is it called, is it just KFC now? I I think officially it's just KFC, but you can call it Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) Okay, so just for clarity, for the people at home who may not be aware, in America we have a a thing Mm. called Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. Other countries too. It's very popular in China. Yeah. Oh, never mind then. I I just assumed by the Kentucky in it that it would be. (laughs) I think that's why they called it KFC. Uh, people they're like, I don't want to know about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't care where it's from. Yeah. So there's KFC sponsored chicken fat rocket fuel. Rocket fuel? Rocket fuel. Nike sponsored shoes that have sensors in them to help protect against bone density loss. 
or a study funded by a perfume company to see if flowers will smell different in space. What perfume mm. company, Sam? A perfume company. <laughs> Unspecified. <laughs> Unspecified perfume company. Mm. Okay. Would they smell different? This is the thing. Like, as my poem says, nothing is the same <laughs> no. in space. Everything is different. Mm -hmm. And I think I have heard something about things smelling different huh. in space. I could see this being a lie, though, if it's an unnamed perfume company of just, like, some perfume company didn't want to see a flower smell different. They just, like, sent up nice-smelling things to the, mm. the space station. It's like, oh, you're stinky up there. Here's, right. like, nice smells. Yeah, that seems like more of a brand deal than, like, <laughs> I want to know what flowers smell like. But you never know. Maybe uh, they just want to help science happen. Yeah. And I know mm. that Nike has those things that they put in the shoes for a while. Do you guys remember those? They have things kind that of. they put in they the shoes? They hook up to an app or something. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And like go in, go in your shoe and it will be under the sole and it would be basically like a Fitbit but in oh. your shoe. And I think mm. that they sort of got replaced by Fitbits. Oh. Mm. I was going to say it sounds better to have the Fitbit in the shoe. But you're not always wearing the shoe. Whereas the Fitbit's well, always on you and it tells you what time true. it is. That seems very reasonable to me, especially because it's yeah. like, if we could be the shoe on the mission to mm -hmm. Mars, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, heck. I mean, yeah, Nike's definitely got to get that one. You're not going to let Under Armour be the freaking <laughs> no. sportswear brand yeah. of the Mars mission. It's got to be Nike. Just do swoosh it. swoosh on the astronaut boot. Oh, swoosh on the boots. I'm feeling perfume. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. I think it's wild because it's... It, but like... I don't know. I'm not going to rationalize it too much because I don't want to <laughs> sway you to my side okay. and have you guys get my my points because of my wisdom. We didn't talk about the chicken fat. It's we didn't, this is, this it didn't is have to say, it doesn't have to work necessarily. They could just fund it <laughs> oh. and yeah. like slap KFC on the side of the rocket. I think that's because I'm hungry for lunch and now mm. I want fried chicken, but I'm going to go with that one. Oh. Do they, does KFC have Uber Eats? I'm just wondering if we should get an order for everybody because oh. it'll sound good. By the time oh. we finish, it'll be here. That's right. Yeah, that sounds Ooh. We can't order KFC is, in the middle of our podcast. This is a minus one tangent. I think I this, like this all, is a this minus whole one. Oh, no. <laughs> Who gets the zero. minus one tangent for the KFC? Well, Hank for suggesting that the we order? should order and then pulling out his phone. <laughs> Just saying if it's available. I am also leaning towards the KFC one. It does sound sort of plausible to me only because fats have a lot of calories compared to like protein and carbs. And so I could see them processing it in some way that maybe it could be used as a fuel. We definitely have turned fat into fuel, you know, biodiesel. We can't get KFC, but they got Popeye's. Do you want Popeye's? I would eat it. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm getting some Popeye's for me and Sarah. At least. Do you want some Sarah? I mean, if well, you're getting Popeye's, I'm not going to say no. All right, we ordered Popeye's. Uh, what's the answer? Because it's been 100 years, please remind me what you all picked. I picked KFC fat. KFC fat. And I picked the per perfume. The correct answer is the perfume. Hey, uh, what? <laughs> so can I tell you why I thought it was perfume that I didn't tell everybody? Yeah. Because I don't think that NASA likes it when there's too much closeness between the thing and the brand. Mm. So if they were like actually saying like, does this perfume smell super good? Uh -huh. Then I'd be like, no. But if it's like, we just want to know how people smell in space. Mm. And then the perfume company can put out a press release that's like, we funded this scent study, mm -hmm. whereas these other ones seem too close, okay. and NASA wouldn't like it. That was mm. my mistake. Couldn't yeah. trick Hank. <laughs> so in 1998, 
International Fragrance and Flavors. That's the name of the company. Nice. Boring. I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of old-fashioned-y, huh? Very 50s That's a great conglomerate name, yeah. Yeah, it's a fragrance conglomerate, and they worked with NASA's Commercial Space Product Development Program, which is a whole wing of Mm -hmm. NASA devoted to that product development in space. They sent a rosebud to the ISS in a plant growth chamber, and when it bloomed, they took samples of its scent compounds, and they reported that the smell had changed from a very green, fresh, rosy smell mm-hmm. to a more floral rose aroma, which is certainly <laughs> two different. Yeah, I can definitely know that. that, that that's nice. very different from one another, I'm sure. Rose was in both of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one was more, more green, though. You know? one was, Wait, one. They, they both smelled like rose. Who smelled it? Just the astronauts? No, the astronauts collected samples and then they brought it back to... Oh, to like mm-hmm. the experts up there for who smell for a living. Days, I think, or something like yeah. that. And then the experts who smell for a living were like, ah, mm-hmm. different. Mm, notes of green. They think this happens because in the rows, the compounds were mixing in different ways because it was just in, in no gravity. So things were just mixing together differently, I guess, mm-hmm. or huh. sitting in one part of the flower longer than they would have or less sure. time huh. than they would have. Hmm. The fragrance was deemed to be more pleasing than the regular boring old earth rose fragrance. And they started to mass produce, the company started to mass produce and sell the space rose smell. And there's at least one product that uses it that I could find, a Japanese perfume called Zin, which is described as floral, woody, and spiritual in scent. (laughs) (laughs) It smells like the inside of your soul. Yeah, and you can buy that if you want to smell like a space rose. But they don't even advertise it as space smell? They do not seem to, no. Okay. You'd think they would, but they don't. The chicken fat thing was not funded by KFC and not a rocket fuel, but in 2011, NASA tested a jet fuel made of chicken and beef fat to see if it was more environmentally friendly than traditional fuel, Hmm. and it was by quite a bit. They ran this jet airliner idling, and it produced 90% less black carbon. When they did the takeoff routine, it produced 60% less black carbon. So that seems cool. I couldn't find where they were getting all this chicken fat, but... (laughs) From it's around. Maybe KFC. Yeah, I mean, probably the place where the chickens get mm. turned into food. Into food, yeah, yeah, maybe. KFC did fund some stuff in the 90s about egg development in space. Mm. Oh. Uh, and the little box that the eggs went up in had a Colonel Sanders picture on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then bone loss is not funded by any brand, but there's a special pair of pants and shoes that astronauts wear Ooh. to determine if they are basically getting enough exercise of their legs. So there's different exercise machines they can use up there to try to keep their bone density up because it's a big thing in space that Mm. your extremities bone density will go down because you're not using them enough. And so this one experiment was in 2002 through 2006, and it was called the Foot Ground Reaction Forces During Space Flight, or as NASA shortens it to FOOT which is not how those things work at all. <laughs> but that's what they call it. And this particular one determined that it was not even close. They were not getting even close to the right amount of exercise. So then they went back to the drawing board and made up harder mm. exercises for them to do in space. Oh, God, so hard to be mm-hmm. an astronaut. It's one thing to like exercise and know you're not really doing enough. It's mm-hmm. another to have like hundreds of people examining how much you're <laughs> exercising and then telling you you're not doing enough. Yeah, and that your bones are now... Bad. Right, soft and yeah. spongy. I think if all I had to do was science and exercise, though. That would be okay? That would be okay. I think I would exercise more if I didn't have to deal with, like, all the other things that come with living on Earth. Right. Ooh, like, laundry. Cooking. Yeah. I bet they have to do laundry in space, No, though. they, like, eject it out. They just, like, don't wash their clothes. They just, they just put it into a pod and send it back down to Earth? I think so. Or, like, hmm. get it destroyed. Yeah. 
So like it's incinerated right there in space? Not in space, but like in something that will get destroyed in the atmosphere oh, instead of like weird. getting safely back. So they just go up with like enough shirts and pants and stuff to last them for as long as they need? I or? didn't look into this enough, but. Huh. That's kind of what I do when I go on trips to Europe. I just <laughs> yeah. take what I need and then buy new stuff as it goes along. Oh, just really? Re- yeah, bring all my old underwear and then buy new nice European underwear. Do you leave the old underwear? Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, what? leave it for someone to find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I leave it in the trash. Frank's really into geocaching with his own underwear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break, and then it'll be time for the Fact Off. Special Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as a... <laughs> The internet science man was opening an online store, something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years. I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow. I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the, 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 the part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like, you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, <laughs> yeah. Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, because it's a, you know, I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Sideshow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com 
slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. Welcome back, everybody. Sam Buck totals. Sarah's got nothing. Stefan's got nothing. I've got one, though I should have two. No. But I wanted Popeyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Sam's got two as well. All right. Everything is as it should be. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time for the fact off. Two panelists have brought science facts and presented the others in an attempt to blow our minds. And we each have a Sam Buck to award the fact that we like the most. And to determine who's going to go first, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you these questions. What? Year did dogs Belka and Strelka go into space with several of their rodent pals to become the first creatures born on Earth to go into orbit and return back to Earth alive? What 1953. 1953. That's way earlier than I would have thought. Uh, 1962. The correct answer is 1960. <gasps> Woo! Uh. Ooh, okay. Well done, Sari. Were they yeah. shooting things into space in 1953? Sputnik was 57. Okay. okay. Um, it okay. all happened in the 60s in my head, no matter when it yeah, happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of it happened. I was 60s. a little too early. It moved really fast from the first thing to, to being on the yeah. moon was 12 years. Yeah. And then we were like, let's never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> it was boring. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that means that, Sari, if you want to go first, you can. Or you can make Stefan do it. I will go first because last time I made Stefan go first. He won. (laughs) And then I won. (laughs) So, you know the thing that happens when you're driving behind a semi-truck to save fuel? It's Mm -hmm. called tailgating or drafting because Mm -hmm. the truck pushes air particles out of the way to reduce the air resistance of your car as you're driving forward. Scientists in the 90s, during a few space shuttle missions, wanted to do this experiment in space to see if they could create an ultra vacuum in low Earth orbit that's 1,000 to 10,000 times better than the best vacuum chambers on Earth. So the the tool, the device they used to do this is called the Wake Shield Facility, which is basically a four meter in diameter disc that they launched with a robotic arm. They like let it go behind the shuttle and it Mm. would hover around 75 kilometers behind the shuttle. And I think it just followed in the shuttle's wake. It was described as a free flying platform and I couldn't find anything to say that it had its own fuel or anything on it. Hmm. So basically, the shield would fly in the wake of the shuttle, and then in the wake of the shield, mm-hmm. it would push uh, away any other like lingering particles that could be in space. And the vacuum, the ultra vacuum, was created behind this huh. disc. Mm-hmm. And it worked. And the reason for all this trouble is they wanted to test creating thin film materials with a process called epitaxy, which is basically depositing really thin layers of a substrate. And so I think on the back of this disc, they had a, a substrate that they wanted like thin oxidized layers of crystal mm-hmm. or something to to build up on to research things like really, really fine semiconductor layers, photocells, which are sensors that detect light that can be really thin, and even research into bionic eyes mm, because they what? wanted to grow very, very thin ceramic films to act as replacement retinas because <laughs> silicon, which is, I don't know, they were trying it out, reacted really badly with eye tissue. And so then ceramic was seen as more biocompatible. And so wow. they wanted to grow these like ultra, ultra thin films that, that you could only do in an ultra vacuum. The last news that I heard about the bionic eyes because that was the coolest part was in 2002. So I don't know if anyone's still doing it (laughs) or if it just like 
because because the films worked. Like they learned about vacuums here, and and this experiment worked two of the three times that they put it into space. Mm-hmm. But as far as I can tell, they were just like seeing what could be done in an ultra vacuum. Right. We did it. Yeah. We did it. Huh. When you started that, I was like, oh, they're like going to launch two rockets and have one follow the other so that it mm. uses less gas, <laughs> get a little bit better mileage, you know? Oh, no, that seems that seems iffy. Yeah, no. <laughs> they just wanted to see what happens if you create an ultra vacuum. Mm. And then deposit crystal yeah. and stuff on a surface very, very, very thin. Mm-hmm. So we talk have talked about things that are like one micron thin. Uh, is that is a micron the smallest thing you can do? Oh, or is there smaller things? Or is there just some things that you could only spread extremely thin in a, a super vacuum like that? I think it's like it spreads smoother mm. in a in an ultra vacuum because in air there's a bunch of other particles, and even in like a a good vacuum, but not a great vacuum, there's the chance of something disrupting, like a mm. single layer of atoms being mm. layered on top to form a perfect crystalline structure, mm. and so. It like just prevents contamination that there would be any other atom just happening to float around and get incorporated in the crystal structure. Okay. Is that like more of a vacuum than space space? Yeah, because there's still some sure. stuff in space is to push whatever stuff might come uh-huh. across the path of this wake shield facility, mm-hmm. push it out of the way to make even more of a vacuum. Okay. Right, and it's moving too fast for stuff to like rush in there. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should say that in... Real life on Earth, when you're driving, you shouldn't tailgate trucks to try to get <laughs> oh, better yeah. mileage. That's a super not safe thing to do. Uh, Stefan knows. <laughs> no, I never tailed them that closely because I was aware. <laughs> okay. But yes. Yeah, that's probably a good safety I, I dabbled in hypermiling for a it's while. It's also good to not drag yourself behind a space shuttle. So, Stefan, Ooh. you got fo- can you follow that? We'll see. So, there's an experiment that was done by JAXA and the University of Yamanashi as a first step in figuring out how viable it is to store sperm long-term in space. And so the idea is that in the future, the far future, there will be like colonies or just like long-term missions, like multi-generation missions perhaps, where we need some kind of assisted reproductive technology in space, both for like humans to maintain genetic diversity, but also for like livestock and things. And also they presented the idea, which I had never thought of, of just like storing genetic material off-world in case of an emergency down here. <laughs> like if something bad <laughs> happens. Something yeah. Bad. Yeah, what? A seed vault. A seed vault. Right, yeah. But like human Small seed. seed, vault. seed yeah. Human seed On the moon vault. or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the problem is that if cosmic radiation causes a lot of damage to stored sperm, it could affect the future gener- generations that are produced with it. Sure. So they collected sperm from 12 mice separated them into two sets of vials, and one was sent to the ISS and one was kept on Earth. They called that the ground control sperm. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And in both sets, the sperm were freeze-dried and went through the same temperature changes at the same times for the same durations. And one of the things they pointed out is that in other studies on like reproduction in space, the genetic material is not frozen, and so it's actively metabolizing, which means that DNA repair is happening. Mm. And so you might not see exactly how much damage is taking place because the cells are actively repairing themselves. Right. But if you're storing sperm long-term, they are going to be frozen. And so after you thaw them out, they have to be able to repair any accumulated damage. Right. And so that's kind of what they're testing here. The, like, the freeze-drying part of this is also super weird to me because... It like freeze drying sperm kills them, but 
if I understood this whole thing correctly, like once you can still rehydrate them and inject them into fresh like oocytes, and then the the new the fresh alive cells will repair the DNA of the sperm and then get fertilized. The oocytes will repair Mm -hmm. the sperm DNA. I I think that is what it is saying happens. So they left these vials in a freezer on the ISS for nine months and then brought them back and like did a bunch of testing. And there was no difference in the appearance of the sperm, but the space sperm did have slightly more damage. Mm. But when they injected all the spermies into the oocytes, both, both groups... <laughs> can I continue? You can or? say okay, spermies. Okay. If you say eggies. <laughs> <laughs> you can only say spermies if you say eggies. Yeah. Otherwise, it's the patriarchy. Yeah. And you lose a hang. Uh, <laughs> oh, when they injected all the spermies into the little eggies, <laughs> b- both groups, uh, the space sperm and the ground control sperm, went on to produce little mice pups at basically the same rate. How long uh, were the spermies up there? Nine months. If we're going to do a seed vault, we need longer than that. That's why they were. I was saying it's like kind of a first step experiment because right. like when we do artificial insemination on Earth, those things have been in storage for like over a decade sometimes. And so like we need mm-hmm. to be able to test very yeah. long-term storage. Bury them in the moon. Yeah, if yeah. they're buried and shielded, then yeah. that would be okay. That was, the, that was kind of the thing is they were like, yeah, you could we could make like an ice shield or yeah. you could stick these in a, a lava lava tube on the moon or something and that would help protect it. Yeah. But so far, based on this, these results, it seems like it is possible to recover from whatever damage is happening right. in nine months of being freeze-dried in space. All right. So, do we go with Ceres wake shield facility to create a super vacuum in space or Stefan's uh, holding on to freeze-dried sperm for nine months in the ISS to see if mouse pups can happen from space sperm. Sam, are you ready to go? I'm ready. Three, two, one, Sari. Ooh, interesting. What's the difference? I like Sari's because I like the idea that space is not enough of a vacuum. <laughs> and we had to be like, let's spend a lot of money to make space extra vacuum-y. Mm-hmm. I like Stefan's because he said spermies. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretending. Oh. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's time for Ask the Science Couch. We've got a listener question for our couch of finely honed scientific minds. This one is from at Scared Hippie and at Clubja. What could happen if someone got pregnant in space? It seems um, bad. It does. It seems. It seems like it's one of the most delicate moments of mm. human life. And as stated twice already in this episode, everything is different in space. Is anybody interested in in actually learning more about human baby like embryonic development and and like birth in space? Mm-hmm. So NASA is. And also a, a startup in the Netherlands. Mm, oh, <laughs> so not I'm KFC. Not excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> not KFC, yeah. not Nike. So to follow up to Stefan's study, so they did the, the mouse sperm in 2017. Mm, is that yeah, what you said? Yeah. In 2018, apparently NASA sent a bunch of human and bull sperm to Ooh. the ISS. It's called Mission Micro 11. They were, wanted to test whether if they're sent to space and back to see if the mobility of the sperm changes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're actually using eggs, which makes it, like, ethically more sound, but they're just seeing, like, does it wiggle enough? Mm. Right, um, right. And in what way? And I don't think... So is that the main concern, mm -hmm. why there hasn't been a lot of, like, putting male and female mice in the same cage and seeing what happens? Because they're just, like, sort of ethically concerned about 
the results of that. You know, partially because it's iffy. If we don't have a reason why we're doing this, then it's it seems like a lot to put a potential baby mouse through. And secondarily, like might just be bad PR. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's like we we don't know what the radiation will do, Mm -hmm. even though that's like an interesting question from a biological standpoint Mm -hmm. and better just experiment with mice or like a test organism. Also, just like logistically having sex in space seems difficult and like. I feel like I don't buy this. I feel like you need for a lot animals, of rubber bands. I think an animal wouldn't even probably want to try. Right? Yes. Yeah, because they'd be in, in they'd be in such a different. Like I've read about yeah. ants and stuff in space, and they don't even try to do anything. It seems oh like. man, <laughs> yeah. I guess I could see that. I don't know, but my understanding of biology is basically that, like, if you can, then you will. Hmm. Unless maybe whole, you're floating that's in the whole point. In the void but if if there's a, if there's a a stressor that is big enough that makes you sort of think that's not a thing to do. I do not buy that no one has had sex in space. Mm. I've uh, got the tapes. No, I don't. <laughs> uh. there's, a, there's a company that doesn't want to make people have sex in space. They want to send a pregnant woman <laughs> up to space with a medical team to oh. deliver a child. Oh. They... I don't know. They just like want to see what happens if a baby is born in space, like at the moment of mm. birth. It doesn't seem very useful for like a long-term study because Mm-mm. then there's no development happening. No, right. I hate that. I've been there for a birth and you want gravity. You want gravity so bad. Mm. You want to keep all that s- things oh. going in a direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, suction tubes. So it's like yeah. all the question of like fluids. Yeah. yeah. Uh, gravity is not helping get the baby out. And, but then also you can answer questions like if a baby is born in space, if your first breaths are like oxygen in a in a spaceship instead of like Earth air. I don't know how the composition is different. Is that different? Mm. It can be. Yeah, it's it usually isn't now. Mm-hmm. We now I think just use the same nitrogen oxygen mix that we use on Earth. The big question is like how how do you make it back to Earth with a baby? Also, just yeah, like, I mm. hate this on multiple levels. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is a bad idea. <laughs> like I just don't like I don't see learning anything just from the having. Other ba- it just mm-hmm. seems like it's just gonna make things harder and more yeah. dangerous. Yeah, and that's it. You don't really learn anything. So the the question is, what would happen if you got pregnant in space? Right. So like, simply put, what could happen? We don't know. Bad. Probably more challenges than there yeah. are on Earth in all steps of the process. Right. Mm-hmm. And slightly more, like a higher probability of having a health problem. Uh-huh. Yeah. You have to put a lot of tarps up on the International Space Station. <laughs> yeah, I think suction tubes is, the, is definitely the thing to yeah. do. Yeah, ultra vacuum. Uh-huh. Yep. Had that thought when I was reading about my thing because of the the livestock in space seems terrible. Like you've got like chicken feathers all over the place. Oh like, yeah, tube them up. Gravity <laughs> is so helpful. You never <laughs> yeah. really think about how Thanks, necessary gravity. it is. Like sometimes it's really annoying. Like when you fall and you're like, ow. Uh-huh. But yeah. the rest of the time, <laughs> gravity is great. Yeah, it's like I'm glad my poop fell in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to ask your questions to the Science Couch, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we will tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at McGoober, at a Philostronaut, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this week. Sandbox final scores, Sari and Hank and Stefan, we're all tied <sighs> for second, and mm. Sam 
coming in. Oh, the natural lead <laughs> If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's super helpful. Helps us know what you like about the show. Also, we look at iTunes reviews for topic ideas for future episodes, so you can leave those there. Second, you can tweet out your favorite moment from this episode. We love to see those. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell people about us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the wonderful team at WNYC Studios. It was created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Chakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno. This week, but not in the future. We're sad to see Victoria moving on. And also, we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. Flatworms, which are known to regenerate, got their heads and tails cut off and then sent to the ISS for five weeks. Mm -hmm. And because they don't have an anus, I'm counting the tail as the butt. And one of those that got sent to the space station and came back grew a head instead of a butt. So it had two heads. Uh And when they cut off its two heads, it grew two more heads. Usually very rare event. But then because of space radiation, this Mm. lost its butt forever. Wow. <sighs> Lost its So forever. sad. What a sad tale. That's it. Is the Popeyes here yet? It is. <laughs> <laughs>